Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Rich Prest. He is the Senior Executive Vice President Corporate Strategy at AssistRx. He's working to evolve their technology and talent solutions to meet the needs of healthcare providers and specialty therapy manufacturers. As a part of his mission to help people live their healthiest lives, he looks for new ways to provide differentiated value in initiating patients on therapy, increasing visibility to the treatment journey, and improving patient outcomes. At AssistRx, he's responsible for researching market trends and recommending new strategic priorities, developing strategic partnerships, and leading execution of strategic projects. He's a strategy guy. <laughs> and since moving from the U.S., from Australia in 1999, Rich has grown his expertise in the technology startup space, pharmaceutical commercialization, and digital health. Over the last decade, he's helped launch nearly 200 specialty therapies and solutions for manufacturers and service providers. He's fortunate to live in San Francisco Bay Area, enjoys ultra-running podcasts, cooking, and spending time with his two kids and two dogs. So obviously an outstanding leader in healthcare, and I'm tremendously privileged to have him here with all of us listening. Rich, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much, Saul. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So you are the brains of the strategy, and it's going to be a really fun podcast to talk about the exciting things you guys are doing in the pharma space, particularly to speed up that life cycle of innovation and bring things to market. But before we dive into that, Rich, I'd love to hear more about you and what inspires your work in healthcare. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you know, I think we really don't value our health until it's gone. It's just one of those things like if you've ever had an injury or an illness, you uh, suddenly realize how much good health is, is a valuable thing. And then I think likewise, when you, you live with a condition for a long time, it's sometimes difficult to imagine how much better it would be if that condition went away. And I think in the US, we see so many people suffering from these chronic conditions. And I really want to do what I can to help them get better and enjoy a richer life. And beyond the human suffering, I think there's... You know, a tremendous um, economic cost that the U.S. is struggling with. Uh, I was looking at the CDC website and uh, they referenced some studies where 90% of our $3.5 healthcare spend is for people with chronic conditions, including mental health. So, it, you know, if you, if you want to apply that 80-20 principle to, you know, how do we make a difference on the, on the cost of uh, healthcare, going after uh, the cost of chronic conditions is not only going to help a tremendous number of people, but it's also going to help reduce the cost of healthcare in the country. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really great call. And and look, your mission's great, and I think it's the ultimate place to do it, healthcare. You know, and so talk to us about AssistRx. So, what are you guys up to, and how are you adding value to the ecosystem? 
Yeah. Uh, so the way we look at it is this last mile problem with specialty therapies. You know, just because a specialist writes a prescription for you, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're just going to wander down the local Walgreens or CVS and pick that up. I mean, a lot of these are very expensive medications. So that's just not an option. And so what we do is, and in fact, you know, if you look at some of the studies, there's about 30% of prescriptions never get filled. For chronic conditions, that number's even higher, up closer to 37%. There's about half of patients uh, that once they get started on a therapy don't take the medications as, as they're meant to. And you see all these uh, studies trying to estimate the cost of this and, and some of the numbers are around 125,000 avoidable deaths annually. Mm. So that's, you know, we, we're looking at coronavirus at 150,000 and just to think that there's about 125,000 er- having annual, every year. Right? Annually, yeah. yeah. And then the other number that I think people are more familiar with is the, is the 300 billion in avoidable healthcare costs through this non-adherence. And then, you know, one of the big reasons for this is the out-of-pocket costs. And so I think another study reference was for three-quarters of patients receiving a script, uh, the cost of filling it exceeded their expectations and half of them chose not to go ahead. So this is sort of a last-mile problem, right? That mm-hmm. Just because, you know, pharma's gone all the trouble to get the drug approved, to convince the doctor of its safety and efficacy, the doctor's written a prescription, but now you actually, in order for the patient to get better... They've actually got to get the medication in their hand and they've got to take it as they're supposed to. And so the guys that founded AssistRx had run specialty pharmacies and they had seen this uh, tremendous difficulty in specialty of getting patients started on um, specialty therapies. In fact, it's sort of interesting that with electronic prescriptions, which are, are now the, the norm for generic drugs, I think were uh, you know around 95% of the prescriptions uh, are, are generic and most of those are filled electronically. But in the specialty therapy, these, these high-cost uh, biologics, et cetera, we're talking around about 15% of uh, prescriptions are actually done electronically. And most of it's still done with paper. And so these guys, you know, 10 years ago, actually decided to try to put in place some technology to, uh, to, to transition from paper to, and to make this process uh, easier. And so uh, I was fortunate to run into them a couple of years ago and uh, and join the team and now lead the strategy effort, as you said in the introduction, focusing on how we can use these tech and talent solutions to deliver the next generation of therapy initiation and patient support. So it's about therapy initiation. <laughs> it's that startup, right? It's getting getting patients access and getting them to take the medications as prescribed. Yeah, that's very much one part of it. So on it, it's amazing what's happened in the last two years, right? Mm-hmm. So we've gone from 170 employees in one location to over 500 in five locations, a national network of field nurses. And a big transition for us has been Teva actually asked us to take over their patient support services. So in addition to the therapy initiation that we've been talking about, we also mm-hmm. have this patient support services that we provide for quite a few manufacturers. And that helps not just with getting started, which the software we're talking about does, but also with that process of helping patients to stay on therapy and through their through the patient journey. For most specialty therapy manufacturers, typically have what's called a hub or a patient support services program. And this is really about providing a team of people that will help people to navigate these complex issues of, of how to actually get you know, insurance approval for this drug and uh, how do I take advantage of all the manufacturing programs that are available to help make it more affordable for me. And if there's any other pieces around care management and sort of navigating the disease, these are these are other parts of the programs that manufacturers offer. And, yeah. and so you guys are now administering these programs as well, making them easier to access and, and understand? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we see lots of opportunities for making these uh, 
the better that you know it's, it's the usual story where there were incumbents that were basically offered you know offered call centers and uh, had a, a model that was essentially the the more people that uh, they had on the phones the more money they made and really mm-hmm. now we see tremendous opportunities with technology to make that more efficient and effective love it yeah and and so as we think about this model of all right we're helping get patients to start with their therapies then assisting the manufacturers to carry forward with some of the best practices can do you have any examples rich of how this is helping improve outcomes or making business model success yeah absolutely i have to give you a few examples so for this piece of therapy initiation that we're talking about the, mm-hmm. the software we have called iAssist that we provide free of charge to, to providers offices in the case of a multiple sclerosis drug we were able to reduce the time to therapy uh, versus faxing by 10 days which was about a 45 percent reduction in that time uh, until patients got started and obviously it's, it's better for the patient and better for the manufacturer if we can if we can get them on drug quicker so another example is in the area of this first fill abandonment. So we talk about this last mile problem. So for a women's healthcare product, they had about 13% first fill abandonment with fax enrollments. We were able to bring that down to nearly zero. And then for a dermatology product, we were able to reduce that first fill abandonment by about 35%. So a couple of good examples of making a difference there. I have a few more I can dive into. I, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to hear about those, Rich. And, you know, question for you. When you mm-hmm. talk about first fill abandonment, is mm-hmm. that, so they've already gotten the first prescription and this is when they have to go back to refill or is this like for the first one overall? Yeah, it's for that very first one. Very first one. Uh, yeah, often the first one is the most difficult. The refills are much easier, but what happens it, it, with that first one? It really is uh, a lot of it is this thicker shock, and I think increasingly yeah. we're seeing patients having to carry more and more out of pocket. It's surprising too. Manufacturers offer these very generous copay offset programs, but often those don't get applied, and so just something as simple as making sure that the available funds are applied to that script so that the patient has the minimal out-of-pocket can make a difference in, in getting it filled. Wow. Uh, and then there's other stupid stuff like with faxed enrollments, we see missing information on about 30% of the forms that come in. And a lot of the time, it's a missing signature from the patient or the provider. Mm-hmm. And then when you reach back out to that patient or provider, you can't actually reach them. And then it just falls by the wayside. And so this, that's another area where we've been having, you know, one of the exciting pieces of technology we're working on right now is actually a, a smart fax intake form that will look to see if there are any issues and respond straight back to the doctor's office to let them know that maybe they've used the wrong form or they just need to get a signature and looking to really close that gap with missing information. Wow. It, that's crazy, man. I mean, it's just shocking, right? Like that it, it could be so inefficient. It's nuts too. And and again, if you think back to the billions of dollars it takes and the billions years it takes to get a drug to market and you've gone to all that trouble and then you've all that cost of putting a field force out there, although of course they're having to all migrate to video, you know, detailing now. But mm-hmm. all of that effort and then finally the doc chooses this drug over all the other competition and then it just gets lost in the process and you're like, oh, it's hmm. so close. <laughs> wow. So just uh, get a little smart about how we get a patient started can make it. Ah, that's difference. amazing. Thanks for adding that additional detail there. So, and what did you say the percent of first fill abandonment was on average? And then you had these two applications. What was the oh, it, it's not. 
one study had that essentially but half of patients ah. chose not to fill because of the out-of-pocket costs. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I think many different studies will have many different numbers and it varies tremendously from drug to drug, et cetera. But sure. um, clearly, anything we can do to improve that first fill uh, makes a difference, both in terms of the time it takes and actually making it happen. Huge. Thanks for indulging us there for for a bit. I, I just wasn't sure about that. You were about yeah. to mention a couple other ones. So I'll, I'll go ahead. And, and... Yeah. Yeah. So another big challenge in this specialty space is prior authorization. So because of the tremendous cost of these drugs, right, we're seeing drugs now that like in multiple sclerosis, for example, were, were typically in that sort of six, 7,000 a month range for these drugs. So tremendous amount of money, right? And so the, the insurance companies want to make absolutely sure that the patient's got coverage and especially pharmacies don't want to dispense the drug unless they know for sure they're going to get paid back by the insurance company. And so there's often a prior authorization process to make sure that they've, they've actually an appropriate patient for the drug. These can be quite challenging to get through. And so we have some new solutions that help take that process from a manual one to electronic. And we can actually, especially in the case of pharmacy benefit drug, do the whole process of prior authorization electronically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there we've been able to improve the conversions from 13 to 32% for one drug while reducing the headcount required to, to make all those phone calls and run that program by about 35%. So that's an example of where technology is making the process better and at the same time more cost effective. Wow. So, I mean, taking it from manual to electronic, reducing mm-hmm. overhead while increasing the prior authorization rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, pretty cool. I, look, I'm all about automation. You know, if there's mm-hmm. a way to do it smarter, let's do it. And so, you know, it sounds like the team over there came from the old school way and said we could do this better. And now they're doing that. You guys are doing that. You got it. Yeah. And I think 10 years ago was probably a little ahead of where the industry was at. But now is the time. And uh, we're certainly seeing a lot, a tremendous amount of interest. And as I mentioned, some fantastic growth. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, talk to me about the technology or is it less the technology and more so the, the strategy and the approach that allows you guys to do what you do? You know, it's one of the really interesting pieces of healthcare is just how messy getting things done is. And so one of the things that we found is it's actually, you can never get to 100% with a technology solution, right? Yeah. This sort of minimum viable product just doesn't work. If you, if you give a minimum viable product to a healthcare provider's office and they start using it, they're going to stop because if they can't trust the information that they're seeing, they're just going to say, I'd rather go back to paper. And so we're finding that it's this combination of technology and talent that's critical. So use the technology where you can to get as efficient as as you possibly can. But then if there's a gap, say you've got an insurer that's still completely paper-based and can't handle electronic inquiries, then have the backup team that can get on the phone with that insurer and close that gap and take it up to a 100% solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah not a one size fits all. You got to do a combo of tech and talent. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's interesting. So as you think about how you guys are improving outcomes and, you know, making business better, it's it's Mm. so clear now. I appreciate you walking us through that. What's one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and a key learning that emerged from that? Sure. I I think probably one of the biggest surprises for me was discovering that the biggest competitor that we had to adoption 
mm-hmm. was the fax machine, right? That this yeah. whole idea of a technology that we yeah. most of us can barely remember—it's it's still this favoured communication technology in healthcare. And so that that was a big surprise. And then the other piece was attention. So when we think about this software that we offer to doctors' offices. So the specialist writes the prescription and then there's usually a team of office staff that are involved in processing all of this paperwork to help the patient get started. So we're really trying to help that team of office staff. And those folks are so hardworking. And you go into one of these offices and even if you've got an appointment, because we have a team of both that was in the field as well as a team on the phone calling on these offices and helping them to get educated about our our software and and how to use it. And we found that just getting attention is, is incredibly difficult. And so what we have to do is not just provide a solution that's going to help them in the long run, it, it's got to be immediately apparent to them that it's going to make life easier. And so we, we found that once they start using the software and they get it, they love it. In fact, we've been doing product market fit surveys and finding a really high percentage of folks that'd be really highly disappointed if it was no longer available. So it's really? great news. Yeah, so we know we've got the product market fit, but first we've got to get them on it. And right. and that's been the challenge. So for example, we have a what's called a, a re-verification solution that loads the patient list like a to-do list. So this says, you know, all of these patients, you know, because typically at the end of the year, you've got to go and check everybody's insurance again. And I think particularly in the in the current situation as well, with so many people changing their job situation, there's a constant need to evaluate whether insurance has changed. And so that loading that patient list like a to-do list suddenly makes life a lot easier because now you can go, okay, I've got to go in and check for this set of patients to see whether their insurance has changed. Mm-hmm. Looking at anything we can do to make getting started easier is really the, the big lesson. That's so interesting. And so what's been the key to adoption then? Yeah, really, really this sort of looking at the redesign. So can we import patient data? Can we look at every aspect of getting started, the login, registration, et cetera? And just trying to find ways to reduce that amount of effort because mm-hmm. if it if it looks like it's going to be harder than scribbling on a piece of paper and faxing it, they're not going to do it. And yeah. uh, so that's really the challenge is is just continuing to refine that that front end UI and and trying to help them to, to just give it a go so that they can understand how their lives can be a little bit easier and uh, the patients can get better results. Yeah, that's a good call out. Reducing the friction, thinking about the overall workflow. How can it be easier than scribbling on paper? You know, it's, um, I do fax through my phone now, like in a mm. rare instance. And, you know, they've got these fax apps now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm wondering if, you know, you mentioned that fax machines are one of the biggest competitors. Is there a software optimization where you use digital fax technologies to make the overall process simpler? Yeah, and and that's been one area that we've been looking at because it's going to take a while to convert people over from faxes. And so... That's, That's really, really funny too, by, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't. Uh, Let me so, fax Amazon to get whatever I want yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> well, and of course, yeah, there's so many analogies are made between uh, healthcare and, and other industries, right? Imagine calling a, an airplane you know, an airline and saying, uh, you know, can I have a flight tomorrow? And the airline says, well, I don't know. And I have no idea how much it's going to cost you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
<laughs> so, so you guys are looking at it, digital fax yeah, technology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially for intake. Cause uh, you know, we were talking a little earlier about this problem of, you know, some of these forms come in with missing information. Mm-hmm. So can we, can we take those faxes in electronically, use optical character recognition to, yeah. to read uh, the key parts of those forms and load that information in? So it makes it easier for our staff, but also if there are any issues, we can get on top of them straight away and go straight back to the provider's office and say, hey, we noticed your form is missing X or Y. Can you fill that in and, and send it back? Yeah. That's powerful. That's, yeah. That could be really powerful, right? Especially if that is the case, right? People don't want to move away mm-hmm. from the fax machine. Let's digitize it at least. Yeah, yeah. Good for you what? guys. And I would yeah, say the other, other thing that's been funny is, you know, this pandemic. I mean, it's not a, obviously it's a terrible situation, but we've had office staff working from their homes and they've had no access to a fax machine. <laughs> so <laughs> for that yeah. reason, we, we've seen increased interest from providers, offices and, and manufacturers in, in the software. Oh my gosh. Wow. Amazing. Well, you know what? These things, while very challenging and, and painful, also push us to be better and and mm-hmm. adopt faster. So, uh, you know, I hope it's helped you guys. And, and so what, what are you most excited about today, Rich? I would say for me, it's, it, it's really this next generation of patient support solutions. So continuing to find ways that we can leverage so much amazing innovation happening in digital health. And I think particularly now we're seeing a lot with uh, virtual health and remote patient monitoring and growing on the back of telehealth. And so. That's one key piece. And I think the other area is really the continuing evolution of AI in this space and how do we leverage data and get smarter. So, you know, when you look at patient support solutions today, it's been very much a one-size-fits-all approach. You know, every patient is the same. And I'm just very excited about how we can get smart and say, let's really assess each patient as a unique individual and right-size the support they need and monitor how they're doing and adjust the support. As we as they go through that patient journey, yeah, that's uh, it's exciting. It is, yeah. And I mean, for example, we're looking at social determinants of health and saying, mm-hmm. can we blend that? You know, typically a nurse will do a welcome call to assess a patient and see what uh, the challenges are. But if we can blend that with data about social determinants of health, we can provide that nurse with even more information about some of the challenges a patient might have with getting started and staying on on therapy. And then, you know, I think likewise, getting smart about communicating with patients. You know, every every patient is going to have a preference, whether it's a, you know, a younger patient that wants texting and doesn't ever want to get a phone call or a patient that much prefers uh, phone calls over other methods. But really understanding each patient and their unique preferences and then being able to meet them where they're at and communicate with them the way they want to be communicated with. Yeah. I and think- with these specialty drugs, it's key. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone is is unique. And I think all of these innovations really give us these opportunities to not just get it right for each unique person and help them to have better outcomes, but also at the same time, do it more efficiently and reduce the costs. And that wonderful combination is sort of the win-win of better outcomes for patients and reduce costs in terms of providing that healthcare to them. It just seems like exactly what we need for dealing with chronic conditions. Couldn't agree with you more, Rich. This has been really interesting and I've enjoyed learning more about AssistRx. Folks, you could visit them at assistrx.com. You can also go to the website, outcomesrocket.health, type in AssistRx or type in Rich Prest and uh, you'll find our entire interview there with the transcript and show notes and links. So make sure you check it out to learn more. 
Rich, before we conclude, uh, I'd love if you could just give us a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you to continue the conversation. Oh, it's been great. So I've really enjoyed the conversation. I would say that, you know, we all realize the pandemic has exposed many of the weaknesses of our healthcare system. And at the same time, it's providing this tremendous acceleration as we've been talking about to the adoption of digital technologies. And so anything we can do to make it easier for people to get the care they need by leveraging tech is really going to not just help with this current crisis, but I really see it will yield long-term benefits in improving outcomes for patients and reducing the cost of the system. Love it, Rich. And for folks to continue the conversation, what would you suggest is the best way? I would say if anyone wants to connect with me, uh, just looking up Rich Press on LinkedIn is probably the best way to get in touch. There you have it, folks. Connect with Rich on LinkedIn if you want to keep chatting. Otherwise, Rich, tremendous work in this space. Specialty pharmacy needs help. Patients need help. And getting more efficient about it is critical to reduce that 50%. I mean, 50% first fill abandonment. I, I'm still, you're going to leave me with that, Rich, <laughs> because it's just like <laughs> yeah. so crazy, man. It, um, it's nuts. And certainly the numbers go up and down, but it's uh, it's way higher than it needs to be. And, uh, you know, we need to help more patients get started. Agreed. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate what you guys are doing. You bet, Sol. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.